what you all think I was saying. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today's podcast is, well this podcast is is not part of my planned schedule today. I was going to wrap up the season recap shows by doing the Golden State Warriors season recap and the Houston Rockets season recap. I will still be doing those so you're going to get three podcasts released uh, today before the NBA draft. What I'm going to do with this one is dedicate it to the uh, to the news that uh, we received just as I was watching the first of the World Cup matches last night, and that is that Dwight Howard and Timofey Mozgov have once again been traded just a couple of days before the draft. I've said this on about the last three or four podcasts, is that the last few years, two days before the draft, we've had trades. We've had Dwight Howard trades. We've had Tim Mozgov, D'Angelo Russell trades. We've had Nick Batum trades. And all these trades seemingly somehow involved the Brooklyn Nets and the Charlotte Hornets in separate transactions. Instead, this time, we got this uh, trade two days before the drafts involving both of these teams with each other. So we're going to break down the Dwight Howard, the annual Dwight Howard trade uh, in today's show. Won't be all that long, uh, but hopefully just a little bit of a breakdown before we head into the NBA draft. Michael Bolton, Let's get to it. That is a great idea. But before we do talk about that, I just want to announce a couple of things. I'm still going through all of the Red Rock Dynasty League applications. I've sent out um, stuff for four of those leagues, still waiting on about four or five people in each of those leagues to finalize their invitations. So if you have submitted an application, uh, stick stick tight, and there will be more going out. And there are still two more leagues that I have to set up and run the rules for, and they are the 30-team Real Salary Roto League, and the 14-team um, Deep Dynasty League, which is actually going to be a little bit different to some of the other ones in that it's going to include the ability to draft uh, college players. So you're going to be able to have like a full development squad before the NBA draft even goes down. So that's a little bit of a different wrinkle in those two leagues. The other thing I'm going to do is next week, I'm going to attempt something which I'm sure has been done before. In the podcasting world, I personally have never heard it, but I'm not yeah, here saying that I'm breaking new ground or anything. I'm going to do a call-in uh, podcast show. Now, we have yes, mailbag shows are, are common and all that sort of stuff. People can set up voicemail lines and people leave messages. But what I'm going to do for this show is I am going to take calls from people uh, as I'm recording and answer those questions uh, as the show is going on. Now, it won't be broadcast live. Uh, obviously because our uh, primitive internet connections in Australia can't actually handle that. That's how piss poor they are over here. But it will give you an opportunity to come on, directly speak with me one-on-one and ask me a question. Now, whether that will be an NBA draft reaction, a redraft a fantasy redraft type of scenario, whether it's a league setup question, whether it's dynasty trades, whether it's you, know, you want to talk to me about food or you want to talk to me about beer or you want to talk to me about travel, whatever, we'll be doing that. The details will come out. I'll, uh, I'll give out my uh, my Skype handle and you guys will send me a message, request me, and then once I get to you in the queue, I'll give you a call back on Skype and we'll record uh, that question as part of the podcast. Of course, if you be an absolute dickhead, you probably won't make the final show. So that's I'm sure most of you guys won't be like that, but that is, of course, always something that does happen with those. And because we're not going uh, live to air, you will comfortably just be cut out of the show. No, uh, no concerns with that. 
at all. So that's something to bear in mind. I didn't tell you when it was. I'm going to be recording that um, Monday in American time, 8 p.m. Eastern, which is Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. here in Australia. I'll give out the details um, you know, a couple of days before of, of what Skype handle you need to, uh, need to add. And then I will, you know, if you're available around that time, I will call you back and we'll get the questions going on the pod. Let's talk about the news of what we're actually looking at here in today's, uh, in today's show. And that is the Dwight Howard trade. Dwight Howard has to be, yeah, you know, I say it all the time. He is a first ballot Hall of Fame player. I don't think, and many of you will argue this. I don't think you can argue it. Actually, I don't think you should argue it. But he's a first ballot Hall of Fame player. He's also probably a first ballot Hall of Fame ship bloke. Um, teams just do not want anything to do with him. The, you know, he's just an A-grade dickhead um, from all reports, and not even report. It's uh, I can't even be bothered saying allegedly with this stuff because teams are just basically just saying, "Get this dickhead out of our team. We don't care the cost." So to break down. The actual trade, what it was, was the Charlotte Hornets sending Dwight Howard and his expiring $23 million contract over to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Tim Mozgov, who has $33 million left on two years of his deal, that horrendous contract that Mitch Kupchak signed him to when he was a member of the Lakers. Remember now that Mitch Kupchak is the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. The Nets also sent back two second-round picks. They sent back pick 45 in Thursday's NBA draft, and also, I believe, a 2021 second-round pick, and they sent back cash in the deal. So in in terms of what this means for Charlotte, it undoubtedly makes them worse. Howard was solid last season. He was pretty good. Now, I made the argument when he was traded last season that I thought Cody Zeller is a center who contributes to winning more in the NBA. We didn't really get to see that last year. Howard definitely played well, and I can't deny that, but it wasn't like the Hornets were good with him out there. So maybe there is an element to it that it, having Cody Zeller on the team perhaps would have been a, a better starting and playing more minutes than Howard. Maybe that would have made the Hornets better than the 36 and 46 that they were last season. We will never know. It probably wouldn't have been the case because, as I said, Dwight was fairly uh, was fairly good for this team last season. But if you look at it on a win shares per 48-minute basis, far from the be-all and end-all of everything, Dwight was a 0.132. Zeller was a 0.145. So in that metric, he was uh, he was actually more effective as a center. And then you've got Bill Hernan Gomez who came across and had a monster 0.266. So from Charlotte, they they lose Dwight. Now, many different things uh, can happen. But what what this says about Howard and his locker room influence and his impact on a team is what the Hornets did is they couldn't stomach one more season of Howard as an expiring deal. So they took on long-term money in in Bill, uh, not Bill Hearn Gomez, in, in Tim Mozgov. So puts another $17 million on their books for next season as, as he comes across. So they don't get that cap space. They do get two second rounders, pick 45 and whatever it's going to be in 2021. And they get some cash as well. Not anything that's really spectacular. I've heard people say, oh, they're doing it to avoid the luxury tax. They could very easily have been under the luxury tax, even if they kept Howard. This is only about a $6 million difference between Dwight and Mozgov for this season. If you look uh, over on uh, Jeff Siegel's site, early bird rights, 
com, which I do go and highly suggest you check out. You can see that the estimated luxury tax line for this season is going to be about 122, $123 million around that sort of a mark. And the Hornets, uh, with Dwight on the team, were around $120 million, $121 million around that mark. So they were a couple of uh, million dollars below the luxury tax. This team won't pay the luxury tax. But they had, uh, obviously, other free agents there, guys like Trevion Graham, Michael Carter, Williams, guys that could have enabled them to get under and get under the, uh, the the luxury tax line if they were even going to go over it. So yes, it does save them that $6 million. It doesn't necessarily you mean they're getting under the luxury tax because they, they were likely going to be under it anyway, but it does put that extra money onto their books for next season. Could this be the start of a teardown in Charlotte if they decide to trade Kemba Walker and get assets back? But the thing about it is they got no assets really back in this Dwight Howard deal. They took on the extra money of Tim Mozgov, and what did they get back? Two second-round picks. It's nothing. It's not a teardown. It's not anything like that. Now, maybe it gives them an opportunity to see Bill Hernan Gomez in a bigger role, to see Cody Zeller, to see what Frank Kaminsky can do at center, and the answer there is nothing. He's not good enough to be a starting center or even really a backup center in the NBA. He's just going to get toasted. But does it mean that they're looking to move on from Kemba Walker in the next couple of days or in the next couple of months and move on from him and acquire actually an asset there? Because taking that money of Mozgov into next season means that they're not really looking to become winners in the 1920 season. Maybe they're, start to tearing, they're starting to tear things down as well. Maybe they'll look to get off a contract of Marvin Williams or, or Nick Batum. Um, many different ways that they can approach that. But that's sort of what that indicates to me. It increases the likelihood of a Kemba trade, but it also could just be the fact is, man, Dwight Howard, massive knob, just got to get, get rid of him. I don't care what it takes is get this asshole out of here. It's the, it's the, um, it's the classic case potentially of addition by subtraction. And these other guys, they can, yeah, you know, they can play well. Cody Zeller's a pretty good player. He's 25. Billy Hernan Gomez is 23. Maybe they want to see what those guys can do as their center combination. And it's hard to argue that given the negative chemistry issues of how, that Howard provided, that it's not, uh, not a, um, a massive loss in that respect, even though Howard is clearly or was clearly the more productive player last season. This is something I've posited for maybe a year, year and a half. Is it players who, uh, are dicks who are chemistry issues who are malcontents you see them not be able to attract anything in terms of or not much in terms of trade value uh, as teams really do uh, value the the uh, the quality of having a cohesive locker room and that sort of stuff. And it's part of the reason why I thought that you know, at the time when Jimmy Butler was traded and Paul George was traded, of course, that the George trade now looks great because Oladipo played well. But the fact that those guys were not necessarily the greatest of locker room presences, uh, Howard very similar, and you're not necessarily getting full value back on on the, the deals for those because there's that concern and we're already starting to see some concerns with Butler in Minnesota and issues with him and Wiggins and him just being generally a little bit of a prickly bloke in terms of dealing with a locker room issue. So perhaps that's a, that, that's a part of it as well. And we've obviously seen that with Howard the last two season who has now been traded in two consecutive years for Miles Plumley and Tim Mozgov. And for a bloke who is going to be a Hall of Famer, there is no doubt about it in my mind to be traded straight up for those guys and generally yeah, in losing deals just goes to show that you can be a great basketball player and an absolute knob when you're talking about what you're doing off the court. 
So that that is uh, the, the Hornet side of things. It, it obviously brings a lot more value to someone like Bill Hernan Gomez for next season. I think that they would go with the Hernan Gomez Zeller front court combination. Frank can't hold up as a center. Cody Zeller is a player who needs 30, 31 minutes to really be a top 100 player. I don't think he will get that. Hernan Gomez needs 24 minutes to be a top 100, top 80 player, and I think he can comfortably get that. So he rockets up in terms of dynasty value, rockets up in terms of redraft value, and will be a really strong late-round center who could even see that ADP pushed right up. But remember, if Zeller and Hernan Gomez play the same amount of minutes, Bill will probably get double the amount of fantasy production than what Zeller does, even though Zeller, I believe, is probably a better player at this point, or almost definitely a better player. In terms of their overall fantasy production, Hernan Gomez streets him, and Zeller needs a lot of minutes to become a, a really useful fantasy type of a guy. From the Brooklyn side of things... Um, it's an interesting trade. Obviously, what they're doing is trying to clear space for the 2019 free agency situation. They have their first round pick in the 2019 NBA draft. They've got that back finally. Um, but they're apparently going to be able to have the, the cap space in 2019 free agency to have two max slots. So they'll be able to this season get themselves their own draft pick and acquire free agents in that, uh, in that summer as they look to rebound from this absolute hell that they've been in from the last couple of seasons. Now, Howard can still produce. He put up solid enough numbers in Charlotte. He averaged 16.5 and 12.5 with 1.6 blocks and 56%. That's, in terms of overall fantasy value, 152nd. But we were well aware that we have to take free throw percentage really out of the... um out of the discussion when we're looking at a guy like Dwight because of just how negative he is. And you know that if you're drafting someone like Dwight Howard, um, that you're, you know, you're well, well aware of that. And if you take free throw percentage out of the equation, he's the 28th ranked player. He only played 30 minutes per game. He is 32 years of age. He played all 81 games. Now, the question is, is what will Kenny Atkinson do with, uh, with Dwight? We saw how well Jarrett Allen was able to play last season down the stretch. But we also saw uh, Atkinson having an element of um, hesitancy with playing him big minutes, only 20 minutes a game per season. And even with the opportunities at the end of the season, we weren't seeing him push to 30 minutes per night. But still, in 20 minutes, he was the 134th ranked player. Now, he had a realistic chance of if getting 29 minutes per game this season, of being a top 60, top 50-ish type of player with his combination of blocks, of field goal percentage, of strong free throws, of being a good rebounder, and hopefully expanding that offensive game. I don't really think that Dwight is necessarily going to come in here and play 35 a night, but I also don't think he's coming in here and playing 24 a night with an even split for Allen. So obviously, it's a blow for Allen's overall fantasy value. But one thing we can't rule out, what if the Nets just decide, I don't want this guy around our kids? We don't want him here. It's purely a play to open up cap space for 2019. What if they cut him? That that's. I think that that while it shouldn't be considered the most likely scenario, I think it's something that you have to look at and go. It's definitely a possibility. Like we're not thinking that Charlotte's going to be cutting Tim Mozgov. That's like a zero percent chance, I believe. With Howard, I reckon you're probably looking at 25% chance that they could just say, well, we just don't want you here. Like We, we bought you for cap space. Do they then you know, on-trade on him someone somewhere else? Do they just look at him as a guy that 
Dwight, we, we don't care. You're not part of our long-term future. You can be the backup to Jared Allen. If you want to sook about it, then we'll play Dante Cunningham and Quincy Acey, or we'll bring back bloody Jaleel Okafor and play him as the backup center. We don't really care what happens. We just need to develop for that 2019 offseason, get a draft pick, get free agents in. Now, that's probably the unlikely scenario there with Howard. Um, and, and if we you know, look through all the preseason rumblings and tea leaves and all that sort of stuff, we'll, we'll likely see that he is going to be the starter and probably play 28 minutes a night would be my initial get, guess, giving 20 for Jared Allen, which of course would be a big blow for his value. But remember, if we're talking about Dynasty League value for Jared Allen, this is an excellent opportunity to try and buy low because some people do have very narrow views when looking at uh, value. They'll look at it and go, oh man, I've got Jared Allen in my dynasty. His value is ruined. Well, when you're talking about dynasty value, you're not looking at one year. You're looking at eight years. You're looking at six years. And while yes, this might be the case for Jared Allen to see his value stunted and not be a top 60 player this year, maybe be a top 140, a top 120 player, then when Howard's gone in the following offseason and Allen ascends to a 28-minute per night guy, then you've got that top 60 player. It's just one year delayed from when we potentially thought it was going to be the case. Now, Allen might not ever get there. He's far from a guarantee at this point, but don't be selling him off thinking, oh, value's cooked, ruined, got no hope now, why did I invest in Allen, blah, blah, blah. Don't be selling low on him because of this Dwight Howard trade. This is not a long-term investment by the Nets. It might not even stick through bloody November. So it's it's not a long-term concern with Jarrett Allen, but of course his value for this coming season at this point is in flux. It's by no means guaranteed to be stunted by Howard because they could decide we're playing your 20, Dwight, and let's see what Jarrett can do. Um, or Dwight could be gone. But at this point, it doesn't look great for his, you know, being a guy who I was predicting to be probably one of the biggest ascenders in fantasy basketball this season. That looks like, I'm just putting it to the back burner just at this point with obviously... Uh, what month are we in? Uh, with with four months to go until the NBA season kicks off, so many things could change. In fact, the entire landscape of the NBA could be changed with within the next twenty four hours. So lots to uh, lots to look at there. But Alan is still the guy, and you don't discount his long term value. This is a one year thing, if it's even that. Um, and as for guys in Charlotte, really excited to see what they can do with Hernan Gomez and whether Zeller can actually be a, a guy that can help contribute to, to winning some games. Not that this team is really going to go anywhere. And is this the prelude to a Kemba Walker deal? I reckon that's uh, me talking for 18 minutes here on a Dwight Howard trade. Um, there are going to be two more podcasts today, as I said, the Warriors season recap and the Rockets season recap. And then tomorrow, the massive NBA draft recap show. Uh, after the NBA draft, and then next week, some more pods talking NBA draft. And of course, my first ever, not saying the first ever, my first ever call-in show. Make sure you stay tuned for the details on that, where you can call in and ask me Skype. I was going to say Skype questions face-to-face, but it'd be more like voice-to-voice. So make sure you're getting ready for that, getting your questions sorted and uh, ready to talk to me on the air and get your voice on the podcast. Make sure you're checking out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. We finished our mock draft over there on Locked On NBA. Check all of that out. Check on Locked On Nets with Gavin Shaw, who have all of the Nets perspective on this on this Howard trade. And of course, Locked On Hornets. You can check Doug and Walker over there for the uh, the Hornets perspective on that, what it means. They'll have a lot more in-depth, individual-sided portions 
of this trade discussion that you should check out. Five-star reviews are excellent. Do that on uh, Apple Podcasts, and you can also subscribe, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and do it on YouTube. Hit the red subscribe button. Give me a thumbs up. Give me comments, all that sort of stuff. Check out the mock draft that me, Greg, and Kyle did yesterday, and I also tweeted out my own personal 60-pick mock draft. Not what I think is going to happen, what I believe would be the best option to happen. At this stage, at this early stage, we're looking at probably Aiton and Bagley going one and two. That is by no means what I would do in that spot, but that's the way it's currently looking. Meaning that the Atlanta Hawks are going to get themselves one of the one of the the great steals in the draft, in my opinion, by getting Luka Doncic at three. But we're not there yet. We're 24 hours away from the NBA draft. I am pumped. Dwight Howard's been traded. Any sort of shit can go down in the NBA in the next 24 hours. I am looking forward to it. And guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Dwighty Howard.